What is going on, football fans? Back at it with another episode of Big Blue Avenue. My name is Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Sam Cardona. Sam, we have some breaking news to reveal to the folks, not around the Giants, but around some other teams. Uh, Why don't you tell the folks what just went down on social media? Well, it could definitely be very beneficial to our Giants, um, but... The Cowboys have decided to keep Mike McCarthy as their head coach, and it also seems like the Eagles will be keeping Nick Sirianni around. So these guys who just both lost in the playoffs in the very first round are coming back again next year, and honestly, I think it's probably probably a good look for the Giants to deal with some of the same guys next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously, I want to ask how you're doing, of course. But, I mean, this news just really got me excited because we saw Dallas falter to Green Bay. Um, I don't know about you, Sam. I was more nervous about Dallas making a deep playoff run. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was more happier with the Cowboys' loss than the Eagles' loss because I feel like we knew the Eagles would have lost anyway, even if they got by this past week, and if Dallas would have won, they would have gotten a Lions rematch at home this time. And we know they previously beat them up in Detroit. Yep. No, I I genuinely didn't know what the Packers and Cowboys game was going to end up looking like. I did have a feeling that the Eagles weren't going to look too good on Monday night, and uh, they really didn't. As, as a Baker Mayfield believer, I was incredibly happy for him. Uh, don't know how far they'll make it in the playoffs, though, but we'll see. Um, but the Cowboys, that was, I think, their first home loss since 22, I believe. The last almost two years it's been yeah. since they've lost at home. So um, I definitely thought it was going to be more of a game. But, I mean, the Packers put on a show. It was just incredibly entertaining for me, and I'm sure for you as well, for any Giants fan. It was a nice, nice little playoff weekend for us to start off the postseason. Absolutely. And it's great to have all the NFC East teams back to square one. And if you're a Giants fan watching this show, um, we want to welcome you to our season finale of Big Blue Avenue by saying that despite the Giants lost six and 11 season, Dallas and Philly season ended a week after the Giants. Their season lasted just one more week than us, and they each won five and six more games than the Giants, respectively, which is awesome to see. But, folks, um, we're going to work on a link tree in the offseason so you can get all of our social media platforms under one tree. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube right now at Big Blue Avenue. Thank you for everybody getting us over 600 subscribers following the uh, video of Carmen Brasillo being named the new offensive line coach. Very happy with that, Sam. I think that's mm-hmm. a good hire. But then again, anybody who doesn't come from the Giants, we tend to like as a new coach hire. So we'll see how it goes. This is true. <laughs> Quickly, before we um, outline what we're going to talk about tonight, Sam, I want to get to a season recap with you. Um, so obviously – that one in five start for the Giants, I feel like really defined the season. And a lot of key players absorbed some injuries this year. We know Daniel Jones before the ACL um, was dealing with a hamstring. You know, Saquon was out. John Michael Schmitz, Andrew Thomas was out for like almost two months. And it just seemed like there could never get a groove going. But we saw Justin Pugh get signed in week five to the practice squad elevated for week six for that Buffalo game. That's right. And I'm trying to think if the giants beat the bills, I think we might be in the playoffs. I I think that's what I'm taking away from this recap segment here. If the giants, their, their Waller makes that catch. If the officials call that penalty, if the giants make more plays late in the game, they're probably in the playoffs. I think they ride that momentum to beat the Jets and potentially um, not the Raiders. What was the team we lost to that we really should have beaten? Um, the Rams. The Rams. If Graham Gano, if Graham yeah. Gano, I mean, Graham Gano's injury was a freak injury, right? 
Yeah. I mean, you make that field goal against the Rams 54 yarder. I mean, Mason Crosby shanked it. Gano, I think, slices that through. Again, there's a lot of what ifs here, folks, but I think those three games put the Giants at nine and eight and a wild card spot over Green Bay, considering we did beat the Packers head to head, Sam. Right. No, I, I agree, I, especially that Bills game. I think that that Bills game, apart from us starting pretty rough, um, especially after week one, that that Bills game, I was convinced we were going to win watching. Like the Bills, they've gotten better over the course of the season, and I'm I'm rooting for them in this playoffs pretty hard. Um, but I definitely wasn't seeing the Bills team that we are seeing now when we were playing them, and Tyrod was starting for us. And I was convinced that, that we were going to win that game. It was such a powerful drive towards the end of that game. But there was that missed call, and Darren Waller doesn't make that catch. And it's just, it was just an unfortunate circumstance. But I think that that would have changed the trajectory of our season. And I think that we probably wouldn't be in some positions that we were in throughout the rest of the season. Like we probably would have felt a lot more confident going into a lot more games than we probably were. So, yeah, the Bills game was a huge part of our season. And in my brain, we won that game. I'm convinced like it was just it, it was so stupid that it wasn't a win in our book. But, yeah, it is what it is at this point. Yeah, unfortunately, no time to dwell. Uh, Giants started off two and eight. What's up, goofballs? Appreciate you. Make sure to go check them out. Two giant goofballs. Um, would love to collaborate with you, by the way, during the off season. Hopefully we can make that work. Sam and I at some point would love to chat with you. Um, and then the Daniel Jones injury, Sam, in the ACL game, the quarterback position was an issue for the Giants all season, even when Jones was under center, but there were times where he was definitely missed. Um, you know, Tommy DeVito got thrown into the fire after Tyrod went hurt. Unfortunately, Tyrod broke his ribs and realistically that put the Giants in a fork in the road. Um, DeVito lost his first career start and the Giants season seemed over at two and eight, Sam, I think Dallas game, that really was the gut punch for me saying, yeah, it was a nice little three week spell, but what team that starts two and eight is making the playoffs? No. Yeah, no, at that point, it's, I think the odds are just against you at that point too. You're just, you're climbing up a hill that is just it's like super icy. You're just falling right back down, no matter how hard you're trying about getting getting back up. Um, and you know, we could speculate about what games we could have won, what games could have happened, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But week one, we lost forty to nothing, and kind of set the tone for the season. Um, and obviously, we had our ups and we had our downs through the rest of the season. But when you start off a season that way after the off season that we had, and we had a lot more, you know, confidence going into the, I mean, I remember the week before we started, like when we did our first episode of big blue Avenue, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm not scared of the Cowboys. We could do this. Like I was in going in so confident to that game. And after that, I was like, we're losing to the Cardinals, which of course was the one game that we actually won. So it was a, a bit of an up and down season, but yeah, it's pretty hard to come out from losing all those games pretty early on in the season. Um, definitely do agree with you there. Always ready. Says two giant goofballs. Let's make it work. Um, we can hit you up in the DMS. You could hit us up after the show. We'll definitely make something work. Um, we're going to have a lot of coaching transactions to talk about it as well. Um, and then after going five and eight with DeVito at quarterback, they stick with him. And eventually DeVito gets benched on Christmas Day. Um, the Giants went back to Tyrod Taylor. They got eliminated from the playoffs on Christmas Day. But the Giants would get sweet revenge two weeks later, finishing the season six and 11. And I think Sam through and through a quarterback position was a big issue this year. There was no consistency at the position from any of the three guys and Ultimately, I think the biggest thing to take away is despite all the coaching rumors, you know, the Brian Dable story, which we'll briefly touch upon in just a moment, this team played for Brian Dable and the coaching staff. They did not quit on him. They kept the locker room intact. And 
finishing the season going from two and eight to six and 11 means you went four and three in your last seven games, obviously. And the Giants won the last month of the season. Last month and a half, really, they went four and three. And that's what we saw in the first half of 2022. The Giants were winning football games and the Giants were a winning team the last seven weeks of the season. It was just so unfortunate that the Giants could have been in an even better spot. But overall, I think that's what I take away. Brian Dable should be the head coach in 2024 um, and potentially beyond as well. I think he will be in 2025. But um, your thoughts on that quick before we transition into Coach Dable. Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, we obviously struggled a lot with the quarterback position. Um, You know, we kind of put a lot of our eggs into Tommy's basket um, and obviously it just didn't work out. Not to say that he's not a good quarterback because I think that he is. I think that he is going to be a great backup quarterback for us to sit, sit around and to come in when we need him the way Tyrod has kind of been these last couple of seasons. Um, but, yeah, overall, I'm hoping that these things start to smooth over in the offseason. I hope we have a eventful but almost uneventful offseason. Like I want to just get our stuff done you know, not really be in the news too, too much. I mean, the Cowboys and Eagles just ended their season and they're already in the news. We were already in the news right after our season ended with Wink. So it's kind of like, let's get all this stuff out of the way and then focus on what's to come in April, these next couple of months leading up to that. Well, there's going to be a lot of speculation in terms of quarterback um, picking in the draft, you know, things of that nature. So you know, it's it's going to be a little hectic. We're going to think we're going to have a little bit more of a hectic offseason than we're used to. But at the end of the day, we'll muscle through it and we'll be on there to cover it. Yeah, um, the Giants have had two faces of the franchise since 2004. And that's been Eli Manning and Daniel Jones. And this could be a make it or break it offseason for Daniel Jones even if the Giants do draft the quarterback, I think he still has the opportunity to win that starting job and see how he recovers from the injury. It'll definitely be interesting to see. Granted, his contract takes up around 18% of the cap. So, again, Daniel Jones will be the starter in 2024 to start the season, but we'll see what happens in free agency and the draft. And it starts with this guy, Brian Dable. Obviously, Sam, last week we were talking about Wink Martindale. And I think Wink is at fault for what happened. I can see why he did what he did, but at the same time, Wink is gone. Can't really fault them for anything at this point. Um, it's Brian Dayball's team. And there's a story on him having no composure, taking anger management classes. Um, you know, we saw a similar thing in 2006 with Tom Coughlin after his third year. And folks, if you're watching and want to comment on this, feel free to do so. We'll accept your questions and thoughts, but, On the second Commander's game, Dable said to Wink Martindale, you're going to lose this game just like you lost us the Jets game. Dable griped on the headset, according to numerous sources, and this ultimately led the Giants GM Joe Shane, reportedly from Pat Leonard, uh, hopping on the headsets. He was monitoring the dynamic at Washington, the second Washington game, after being alerted by several meaningful parties that Dayball's behavior and the sideline dynamic were not constructive. Shane would stay on the headsets for four games against the commanders, Patriots, Packers, and Saints giants winning three of those four before stepping back offline for the final three. I mean, this is some grade school shit right here. And then the last part of the story is Dayball's unpredictability where apparently he took away play calling duties from Mike Kafka and gave it to quarterback coach Shay Tierney for the second half of the second Cowboys meeting this year. There was no pattern, rhyme, or reason for his changes from others' perspectives. And Dayball also took over Kafka's offensive meetings in week seven ahead of a home game against Washington. As the Daily News reported, he did not give complete control to Mike Kafka of team offensive meetings until week 11. Sam, uh, I'm sure you've been following this story as well. Um, Again, Pat Leonard, and I don't want to, I don't want to criticize beat reporters on on air, um, but 
there are some reporters out there that are more trustworthy. And Leonard is one of those guys that I tend to think twice about. Sometimes I tend to lean more. I don't know about you. Dan Duggan's pretty good. Jordan Renan. Um, there are some good reporters out there. I know Charlotte Carroll is pretty on point. Um, Patty Trena, Art Stapleton, they're pretty consistent. But when it comes to certain reporters, I tend to think twice. But at the same time, I don't think this is a story that he would just make up. Like people are saying, well, if they're nine and eight, they make the playoffs. If they're 10 and seven, this story doesn't come out. I don't know. There's a lot to dive into here, Sam. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I'm actually curious. What was he, who was he speaking to when he said, you're going to lose this game just like you lost us the Jets game? Who did he say that to? So I think that was Wink, ultimately. Because remember on the last drive, uh, Zach Wilson carved us up? Yes. And then kicked the field goal? I gotcha. I gotcha. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, overall, when the – like, I mean, thinking just back to when we were talking about the Wink-Martindale-Dayball situation before we really found out the true colors of some people here um, – we didn't really think it was all that true, and it actually ended up coming a little bit more to fruition. So I think, like you said, why would this story be made up if it wasn't based off of some sort of fact? Um, not to say that it isn't completely or not completely true, but overall it just kind of seems like this is based off of something that must have happened. Um it's interesting because we see, it seems like the team is so behind Brian Dable. Like they're very for him. You know, he's a good coach. He's a player's coach. Um, it just seems interesting that with the with when given the power, like a head coaching position, he falls more into this like. You know, I don't want to use the word dictatorship, but like kind of like a little bit more of like in a commanding, you know, place where he wants to tell people what to do and, and put blame on other people who, you know, at the end of the day, when you're the captain of the ship, when you're running the team, it all is going to come back to you. You know, whether or not it's your fault, you can put the blame and say, oh, yeah, like this guy was, you know, this is this is this problem. At the end of the day, it still should all come back to you as a head coach because you're the one running everything. So at the end of the day, um, I think there must be some sort of truth to the story. Um, it's unfortunate because this is not the kind of stuff that we want to be hearing about but from our head coach, especially one that you and I both really like. We, we have been enjoying what he has been doing for this team. and There's obviously room for improvement, but at the end of the day, you know, we'd like to keep him around for right now. Um, but if next season comes around and we're seeing a lot of issues within the staff from Dable, this and that, I don't know if I'm going to really want him around because it seems like it's almost a bit of a distraction. Yeah, that's well put. I am buying the story to an extent. I'm not going to put an asterisk on it, but I think what two giant goofballs are saying makes a lot of sense about the Pat Leonard stuff. Uh, Paul Schwartz said otherwise, as far as Shane hopping on the headset, I think Pat Leonard said that Shane was asked to hop on the headset. Schwartz said he wasn't, but saw trouble brewing. This is the exact comment. Um, yeah, look, he's a quick clickbait reporter. You know, he's been very, he's been a very anti-Giants a lot. He, he likes to stir up stuff in the media. The season's over, so there's not much to talk about right now since, you know, obviously Wink is gone, but now that that story is pretty much done, there's really not much to discuss. So it would make sense that this would be a good time to bring this up. Um, if it was that big of a deal, it would have been brought up as it happened or immediately thereafter. The fact that it's being brought up this late tells me that, you know, it's important, but it's not earth shattering. Um, what's up, Tudo? Much love and respects. Greetings from Italy. Nice. Very cool. Cool. Like um, Kevin, what's up, Kevin? Wink Martindale might, yeah, Wink is probably going to get a DC job, I would imagine, with the Jaguars or the Eagles. Um, hopefully not Philly, but I know he's a contender. Um, yeah, so, yeah, buying the Brian Dable story, but um, 
don't think there is full truth to it. Other news within our coaching staff, we know the Giants hired a new running backs coach, Joel Thomas. Um, Saints were tied second in the NFL in rushing touchdowns over the last nine years. Sam, I feel like a running backs coach position, nine years is a long time. It's a lot of stability. I mean, look what Kamara has done there. Jamal Williams, a couple years back, had a bunch of touchdowns. Or maybe that was with Detroit. Sorry, that was with Detroit, not New Orleans. But Mm. other players, too, like Mark Ingram, I think they've done a really good job, especially Kamara in the red zone. So maybe it's a gripe for Saquon to stay. I don't know. I think Saquon still makes his own decision. Mm-hmm. either way but i'm definitely happy to see that higher i mean this is the fifth running back coach now in the last five years so but i don't know I'm, i think it's a good hire i'd like to think too that you're at a position like that for that long because you're really good at it and they don't want to move you around you know sometimes you kind of get if you if you're so good at a job that they almost don't want to like bring you up or bring you down you know it's kind of like you're just you're good at that let's just keep you there so nine years as a running back coach is pretty impressive. And, yeah, like you said, we, we're, we're seeing some phenomenal running backs coming out of, um, you know, his coaching. And Kamara has been kind of in and out, but he, he kind of came off on a, on a stronger foot um, this past season. And, yeah, I, I don't think it really affects Saquon's decision, to be honest with you. Um, at the end of the day, Saquon's going to do what's best for him. But maybe then it kind of gives us the opportunity to, uh, if Saquon does leave, gives us the opportunity and a, a well-reliant coach to uh, kind of build somebody else up to fill the shoes that he's going to possibly leave behind. Yeah, I mean, we did see a lot of Eric Gray in Week 18. I know the Giants were up big, but... Um, possibly preparing him for the future. Who knows? Um, Speaking of the future, I want to ask you, is Kafka coming back? He's (laughs) completed two head coach interviews with the Titans and the Seahawks. Um, With the way the Giants offense was this year, there's no way a team should hire him as a head coach. But will he stay even if he doesn't get hired? Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I don't don't genuinely think he's going to get a head coaching job, but you know, that's a good point, especially with the fact that there is some weird coaching story coming out of this entire Dable situation. Um, but you know, Kafka has been here. This is his second, third year, right? Second or third year. Second. Yeah. Second. So, you know, he kind of had a, a feel for Dable. He's, he knows what he's like as a head coach. I don't know. I, I, I think at this point we should move on and find somebody who's going to work with the offense better. Um, and I'm not very happy with the fact, you no, know, whatever was happening with Dable, I'm not happy with the fact that he was giving and taking away the ability to call plays. Like, that that's just a huge lack of consistency and just couldn't confuse an offense to no end. So at this point, if you don't know whether or not he should be calling plays, I, I really don't think he should have a spot in our offense right now. Yeah. Um, not so sure what's going to happen with Mike Kafka. Anthony, what's up? Anthony says he got to go. Adam, another giants fan from Arizona. Shout out Adam. Um, I really hope not. I don't know. I'm very mixed on him. I'd prefer they get somebody else, but as the more time passes, I think it's likely that Shea Tierney would get the job and the promotion since Tierney was originally from Buffalo. I'd like to see what he could do. Um, There was an announcement before the show. We just wrote this down, and the more I think about it over the last few minutes, I do kind of like this. Mike Kafka was named head coach for the West team in the Shrine Bowl, which has some of the top college prospects in the Senior Bowl. I'm very excited for it. And Shea Tierney was named the offensive coordinator for the national team in the Senior Bowl. So all in all, I think this gives the Giants a good look 
at these prospects coming out of the draft. If Kafka and Tierney are both to stay, you're looking at Bo Nix, right? Um, you're looking at Penix Jr. You're, you're, you're looking at other positions as well. Um, you know, Grant Barton, guard out of Duke. That's a guy the Giants could look at in the second round. Um, I really like this for the Giants, and it should be interesting to see what happens. Um, before we get two season awards, Sam, is there anything you wanted to add or any other news that caught your eye this week? I feel like we hit most of the points, but. Yeah, news-wise, nothing else is really going on too much in the Giants world. Um, but, yeah, overall, let's just let's just hope for a, a good offseason and, uh, you know, a better year next year. Absolutely. And just in from Charlotte Carroll, by the way, um, assistant special teams coach Mike Adams will coach this year's senior bowl as well. He will be the special teams coordinator for the American team. So I like that a lot, too. Um, Getting a closer look at these guys. I think Joe Shane has his head on straight here and can handle this offseason pretty well. I'm so excited for the draft, Sam. I don't know about you, but Andy Hopper, our good buddy, resident Bears fan, just messaged yeah. me today, and he's like, yeah, so are we doing the draft show this year? I'm not kidding. Like, literally, it's still – it's divisional round weekend, and he's asking me about the draft. And it gets my blood pumping. I don't know about you. It gets me going. Like, I'm so pumped to do that show. Um and evaluate prospects. I mean, that makes the off season go by so much quicker. Mm-hmm. And personally, I love it. I love it. The off season is a great time. I love obviously watching football in real time, things happening, but I think there's just so much speculation that happens in the off season that like, we really can have like our own field day with like what we think is going to happen, who's going to go where, who's going to get drafted, what, and like then what actually happened. It's just, I love the NFL offseason. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Absolutely. It really is. And um, hot prediction, quick. Um, I think that the Giants will have at least two to three draft picks coming from this senior bowl. They always do it every single year. And I do think with Kafka coaching the senior bowl with Shea Tierney that he is safe the more I think about it now. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that might disappoint some, but as you were just talking there, my brain really started thinking about it. I don't think he's going anywhere. He might not like his situation, but he's definitely not going anywhere right now in the immediate future. I mean, that makes sense, especially yeah. if he doesn't have any offers anywhere else. There's no reason to leave. So that makes sense. Yeah. No, absolutely. Let's get into our season awards. Um, So this will be the last segment before our top 10 player reveal. So, folks, if you want to see Sam and I's top 10 player reveal, make sure to stay right where you are. Get out your popcorn, buckle your seatbelt. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, But, Sam, (laughs) we agreed on all of these Mm -hmm. uh, last night. Yep. Our rookie of the year. Who did we choose for our rookie of the year this season? And why don't you talk about him for just a brief moment here? Who did we choose? So we did go with Deontay Banks, our rookie corner, who when you sent me this list of season awards, he was the first person. Like I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to pick for the other three. I know Deontay Banks is going to be my rookie of the year. And then when you said that you also picked it, I was like, perfect. I love it. Um, Kid was outstanding this year. Really went above and beyond my expectations. Um, I remember reacting to that pick um, when it happened, and I was kind of stuck between – I was actually kind of leaning more Joey Porter Jr. in that spot, and then when they picked Deontay Banks, I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, he's a great corner too. So I – he just really fit into our defense very well. Um just had some outstanding plays. He was our player of the week once or twice in this past season. Just an incredible. And I'm so excited to see what he's doing in his sophomore year because I feel like his potential and his ceiling is so high that we're only going to see good come out of him these next couple of seasons that we're going to be having him here, hopefully forever. 
that would be nice. And yeah. um, I think his the development, Sam, rather confirms that you can absolutely move on from Adoree Jackson in 2024. Yeah. You don't need to bring him back. Yes, he's only 28, but he costs a lot of money. He's a UFA. Let him walk. And I think Banks can solidify himself. And this might sound a little crazy, but as the top cornerback on this roster heading into his sophomore campaign, I do have that much confidence in him. He was a first round pick for a reason. Yep. Um, so, Sam, who do we choose for defensive? player of the year and i think the folks are going to like this one i know we have a couple colts fans that watch periodically so if you're a colts fan tuning in make sure you stay tuned i think you're gonna like this one a lot our defensive player of the year i think we talked about him every single week because almost every single week he had a game-changing play whether we won or not bobby okereke bobby oh oh my word i was so happy there's Many, many free agents um, and guys that we bring over onto this team from another team that usually don't perform as well as we consider that they're going to. But Bobby O has come in. He's led this defense. He's been the linebacking, you know, veteran and leader on our defense that we've been waiting for for quite a long time. And I mean, every week I think we talked about him because every week. It was just something else he was doing for us. So Bobby O is our defensive player of the year for the New York Giants. And I am just the Pro Bowl does not deserve you, Bobby O. They don't deserve you because you're our Pro Bowl. You're our Pro Bowl winner. Calling it now. Hands down 2024 Pro Bowler, Bobby O'Karake. Uh He's got to be. You can't snub him that long. You want to hear a bold prediction? He will lead the NFL in tackles next season. Ooh, That's how I confident that. I am in him. Yep. Um, again, a little biased, but, you know, you have to make bold predictions sometimes, make things interesting, and I will stick to that. Um, next up, offensive player of the year. And <sighs> this player wouldn't be an offensive player of the year on most NFL rosters. But, Sam, I think our offense was so abysmal this year. There were a few young players that really shined in the second half of the season. Like, you know, Wandale Robinson, I thought, played well. Um, I was impressed with DeVito at times. They didn't really get high and involved. That kind of sucked. Eric Gray was limited to special teams this year. Ultimately, who did we go? And do you agree that this was kind of a default answer, to be honest? Unfortunately, our offense was not the best this past year. So we did go with Saquon Barkley. Um, Obviously, one of our best offensive players to be on our roster. Um, And like Tom said, we saw some sparks come out with Tommy DeVito. Wandale Robinson, who I'm... So looking forward to seeing more of because I feel like, again, his ceiling is incredibly high. Um, But, you know, we didn't see a lot out of Hodgins this year. Darius Slayton did what he needed to do, but nothing extraordinary that just, you know, kind of broke the bank. So, And Saquon, I, I think he had a few moments as well, but because of just the consistency of him and, while we're, you know, it, it's not his fault that our offensive line was trash and he couldn't pop off the way that he did when we saw him last year. It was just a, you know, a big swap in terms of last year to this year. But I would agree, yes, he is the default answer here because we didn't have a lot of star offensive players this year. I do agree. He believe I believe he scored seven or eight total touchdowns on the year for receiving. Uh, Wandale. Dale. We'll hit 100 catches next season. Wow. I love I like that. It. Both people that just commented about Wandale. Um, I, I want to hear your thoughts. Should the Giants draft the receiver in the first round? Um, I know I've talked to one of you about this off to the side, but it would be interesting to see the Giants get a legitimate number one wide receiver. Um, to pair with Hyatt and Wandale and Slayton next season. I think those top four would be beautiful. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing. Um, yeah, young room. Yeah, very young, young room. But Wandale would be the second 
oldest one. Hyatt <laughs> was a rookie, and you know they probably bring Hodgins back. Maybe I don't know, um, or maybe not. You know, Shepard's gone. There's a spot open. You know, I mean, Sills is not around anymore. There's a lot of guys out there that, you know, and wide receivers, one position that I don't know if they spend money on in free agency, because obviously they whiffed on Paris Campbell and he won't be coming back. So definitely not. I think we need an all star to help out the youngsters. Yes. T Higgins, name has been tossed around. Oh, um, man. I saw th- uh, things about him going to Houston. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm just imagining him, Nico Collins, Tank Dell, when he gets back from the injury. That should be a lot of fun. But finally, our MVP for 2023. Um, Sam, who did we ultimately choose? Um, One of our, if not the best player on our team, most valuable player is going to go to Dexter Lawrence. Obviously, you know, you expect a lot out of your offense, scoring points here, there, and the other thing, um, because our offense was so abysmal, um, our defense really was carrying us through this season. And Dexter Lawrence, I know we mentioned Bobby O, um, fantastic leader in the linebacking core, but Dexter Lawrence was leading this defense, doing amazing things, just I feel like we didn't talk about him as much as we should have this year, but it was because he was just doing his job and doing everything he needed to do as a player. And yeah, you know, I'm happy. He's kind of becoming our all time captain of the team. um, Not just the defense um, because we're struggling with our, you know, our quarterback situation and um, he's been around a bit and I know he was real sad to see Leo go in the middle of the season, um, I think we all were, but it was just the right choice in terms of financial, you know, situations going on. But, yeah, Dexter Lawrence, phenomenal. Love him to death. Our for-real Pro Bowl guy who's representing us in uh, – in, uh, where are they going to be? Florida? Uh, no idea. Vegas too? No. I don't think so. I have to Maybe look it's in Florida. Time. Anybody? Anyway, he's representing us there. <laughs> Let's see. Anybody in the comments section, feel free to uh, message as well. It is in Orlando. Yes, Orlando. Um, but, yeah, without further ado, let's get to our top ten player reveal. Um, Sam, I'll start with you. What I'll do is I'll share the graphic on the screen rather than going mm-hmm. one by one in previous That's years good. for time purposes. But um, – Orlando Camping World Stadium. Thank you, goofballs. Um, get your graphic up here to show your top 10, and we will chop it up starting from 10 and all the way up to number one. Here we are. Here we go. All right. So number for starting in the back, Ty, uh, Tyrod Taylor, I put him at number 10. Giving him his flowers, um, it was a tough year for him. It was a tough year for quarterbacks in general and on the Giants team. But I think Tyrod Taylor put everything out on the field for us, and I just wanted to mention him because he really did a lot for us. And despite not winning um, certain games like we were mentioning earlier, he did everything that he could in his power despite getting hurt again. Um, Jamie Gillen is on here. Uh, I don't know if we've ever put our punter on our top ten players um list ever but jamie gillen not only was doing well for us punting wise but he stepped in big time at those days that we were struggling with graham gano randy bullock um and he he got that 40 yard field goal for us which i was so happy about but um threw him in there at number nine and number eight we have andrew thomas who unfortunately we didn't get to see all year due to injury um but I will forever die on the hill that he is the best left tackle in the league. Um, and he, we would literally be falling apart even more without him. Um, but I'm hoping that by next year, he has more of an impact on this offensive line. Um, it's just unfortunate that the injury put him a little bit lower on this list. Um, Darius Slayton. I have on here. Um, not fantastic player in general, but for our offensive purposes, 
He did his job. He did what he needed to do. Um, same with Wandale Robinson. Uh, I can't speak highly enough about this kid. I, I just that catch, uh, DeVito to Robinson at the last drive in that Packers game was, uh, I ascended. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous play. Um, and I, like I said earlier, think that his ceiling is incredibly high and we're expecting so much more from him. Um, Saquon's on here at number five, breaking even right in the middle of the list. Uh, part of the reason why we went with him for offensive player of the year, kind of like we need him on there, but also he wasn't uh, something that just blew our minds, kind of like how he did last year. So um, he kind of broke even on my list there. Deontay Banks, obviously, we were mentioning it before, our rookie corner where he was just just doing everything he could, learning along the way, getting better throughout the year, um, making plays for us, going up against tough, tough wide receivers on teams sometimes, but holding it down and doing what he needed to do. Uh, Kayvon, uh, I just, I feel like he's also just performing well each and every year. I feel like it was a little iffy in the beginning, but as the season went on, uh, again, kind of like Dexter Lawrence, he was doing his job and just making plays happen, doing the greats, great, great defensive purposes for us. Because again, our offense wasn't doing it, which is why our, my top three here are all defensive guys. So Kayvon, Bobby O, um, you guys heard me just singing his praises earlier today. Um, and Dexter Lawrence at number one, like I said earlier, I think he's the best player on our team. Um, he is the one that will be going to the Pro Bowl on behalf of our team, the only one going. And these top three defensive guys were just really holding it down. We had just so many times where I've like said the defense was the reason we won that game. The defense was the reason we won that game. So that's why I had to throw all these guys up here in my top three. And um, yeah, so those are my top 10 Giants players of 2023. I like the list. I, I, I do. Um, Thank you. There's a lot of good players on there. I uh, Well, Sam, you went all top four defense. Don't blame you with that. Um, yeah, top four, yeah. Saquon missed a lot of time. In a typical year, Andrew Thomas would be much higher, but again, mm-hmm. he missed a lot of time this year due to injury. Um, he missed like the first eight weeks. Uh, I believe he only played in like half the games this year. Jamie Gillen, phenomenal year for him. Punting wise, he had Pro Bowl consideration. Yeah. Um, there is so I have two players not on my list that are on yours. Um, I do have one on mine as well. That's pretty high up. That is not on yours, but overall, is a really solid list. So awesome stuff. Kevin says, "Great job," uh, and Thanks, Dexter Kevin. brings. That true leadership, one of the best in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, people are comparing him to Aaron Donald, which I think is a bit crazy, but, I mean, <laughs> he's been playing on the role. He has. He has. So, um, we'll get to mine. So, I'm going to share my screen and explain my rankings here. Sam, by the way, Sam made these graphics, so thank you very much for doing that. These look <laughs> awesome. Uh, a lot better than I could ever do. Um, so number 10, I have Andrew Thomas. The reason why I picked him here so low injuries, he did regress a little bit this year. Um, but he is still, in my opinion, a top 10 tackle in the national football league. Number nine, I have Mike and McFadden. A lot of people like, well, he missed some tackles this year, but in my opinion, um, he is the most underrated player on the defense. McFadden, tied for the team lead with 12 tackles for loss this season. He also added a boatload of tackles, over 100 actually, 101 to be exact on the year. Also had five passes defended and four fumble recoveries. Number eight, I have Darius Slayton, mainstay. Um, I think this might be a spot below where you had him, Sam. Mm -hmm. Uh, Slayton came on late, had four touchdowns in total for the year, 770 receiving yards, four uh, seasons now out of his five career years where he has led the Giants in receiving yards. Number seven, I have Jamie Gillen. I mean, the most important stat to me about Gillen is the fact that 
he had a net average of 42.3 yards this year per punt. And as far as downing punts inside of the 20, he downed about one out of every three punts inside the 20, which is definitely a good flip of field position, considering a lot of the Giants punts came deep into their own territory. A number six, Saquon Barkley. Um, again, this time, typically he'd be higher, but Barkley finished the year averaging less than four yards per carry, and he finished under a thousand rushing yards. He did have six rushing touchdowns and four receiving for 10 total, but uh, only 3.9 yards per carry. I can't have him any higher than that, in my personal opinion. I went top five all defense. I had Deontay Banks at number five. Um, I mean, Banks were closed this year, folks. Um, he was phenomenal. He had a phenomenal rookie season, 11 passes defended with two picks, and he guarded Sam. I and mean, we saw time and time again, he guarded the best receivers in the league and contained them very, very well. Number four, I flip-flopped with three and four here. Originally, I had Kayvon at three, but I slid him down. He didn't do much the last couple weeks of the season as far as, you know, getting sacks and whatnot. But when the defense was down at times this year, he really picked up the slack. He's our best edge rusher and only edge rusher with 11 and a half sacks. Again, Aziz finished the year with two and a half sacks. Two of them came in week 18. So, I mean... Those really don't count if you ask me. Um, but yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau, 12 tackles for loss all over the field. And his hustle, his hustle is, I mean, so underrated. He's chasing guys down from 30 yards back. Shout out to him. Number three, Xavier McKinney, who had the best year of his pro career, in my opinion. Um, second with uh, 116 tackles for the Giants. He had three picks, 11 passes defended, and a forced fumble. I just like the way he played back there. I think he really thrived Sam and Wink's scheme, and he finally stayed healthy this year. He did not miss a snap either the entire season. Um, number two, I know we listed him as our team MVP, uh, but I want it to be a little different here. I'm going with Dexter Lawrence. He didn't produce the insanity-style numbers he did last season, but he was still outstanding. Part of the reason why Bobby Okereke played as well as he did is because of Dexter Lawrence occupying multiple defenders, allowing O'Karake to make tackles at that second level. I mean, Dexter Lawrence had four and a half sacks, seven tackles for loss. His pressure rate was top three in the NFL at his position. And for a guy that's 340 pounds, he is quick. I mean, Sam, that might be the fastest 340 pound person I've ever seen. So, I, for sure. He is phenomenal. And then number one, I went Bobby O. I, I, I did. Um, I do like Okereke a lot. Four force fumbles on the year. I think when it comes to forcing turnovers, Bobby was king in that category. So ultimately, I'm going to roll with him at number one. I really like what he did. Um, also, I think the Giants inside linebackers unit was, I mean, Sam, we've talked about this in the past. The Giants don't have inside linebackers. You know, 2020, we were sitting there with Tay Crowder and David Mayo. It was horrible. <laughs> I mean, I know we had Blake Martinez, but, um, you know, 2021, he got hurt, and then he kind of disappeared. 2022 was not good. We had Jalen Smith, Micah McFadden at times, and I think signing Bobby O might have been the best free agent signing they've had since Plexico. I'll go as, as far as that and say it, you know. Great signing by Joe Shane. Really, really was an outstanding signing. But any overall thoughts on my list? Any uh, any feedback? No, I think I'm actually uh, pretty upset with myself that I forgot about X to put on my list. Um, and Micah. I mean, Micah McFadden and Bobby O together was such an unusual pair, but they did so well. Like, it was, like, so impressive and, you know, they just – they I just loved watching Mike McFadden play. Um, and McKinney, you're right. He had a phenomenal season. And it was uh, – again, I'll, I'll put all these credit on this defense. And so I'm happy that your top five was defense. My top four was defense. Uh, kind of makes sense, though. 
Yeah, I am kicking myself a little bit too for leaving Wandale off of here. I do think he was one of the 10 best players this year. Maybe I could have replaced him for Andrew Thomas or um, even Slayton, but overall, or Gillen, but overall, I think, um, you know, everyone has their own list. Everyone has hits. And uh, yeah, so definitely good to chop that up. Folks, if you are watching this live or not, feel free to comment in the comment section what you think about our top 10 lists. Do you agree? Do you, would you have done anything differently? Feel free to let us know or comment with your top 10 Giants as well for 2023. We would love to hear you. All right. So, Sam, we're down to the final five minutes of the show. I want to hear your off-season predictions, if you have any right now. I know I have a couple. Um, there's a lot on the line here with Barkley possibly not coming back. McKinney. What do you think is going to happen ultimately with the Giants this offseason? Um, I'll be honest. I'm the, this, these are going to come off the dome. I hadn't thought too far about it because I was pretty deep in a regular season here. But honestly, I think there's going to be a huge um, back and forth with Saquon. I think that they're going to try and pay him, and it's just not going to be enough. And unfortunately, we're going to lose him. That's what I think is going to happen there. I think we're going to end up with some sort of quarterback, whether it's in the draft, later in the draft, pick up in free agency. Something's going to happen. We're going to end up with some other type of quarterback, and there will be a quarterback battle over the summer. Um, and then I'll even say I'd like to think where we're going to ace our draft. I'll say that. I think that whatever it is that we may end up doing, we might not realize it in the moment. We might either be angry, happy, sad, whatever. But I think at the end of the day, we're going to be happy with who we end up in the draft this year. And uh, hopefully it'll, it'll make, our, make our regular season next year a little, little bit easier, a little bit more exciting. Yeah, this is the fourth year doing this show, and they've only made the playoffs one year. But <laughs> if we did it any sooner than when we started it, it would be much worse, folks. So That's true. Um, Eddie says no Jalen Hyatt um, they didn't use him enough sadly and that's more on the yeah. offense than Hyatt you know they just they didn't use him they didn't use him well I hope that changes though I would like to see him on the list next year yeah um, for sure definitely thank you Eddie big Colts fan by the way so I maybe you're happy you're not so happy about Bobby O being number one and number two on each of our lists. Thank you for the comment, Barbara. Agree with everything you said. Thank you very much. Um, Off-season predictions for me. So I'm going to go a little bit more extreme. I think they tag and trade Barkley. I think that's the only way you can get anything for him at this point. I think Barkley will be traded. Um, I think they will agree to sign some sort of uh, transitional tag and then eventually trade Saquon Barkley too the Baltimore Ravens. I can see that happening. Barkley will team with Lamar Jackson, a team that has had a lot of lackluster running back play. I am throwing up my mouth just thinking about it, but I think that might have a possibility of happening. Um, Mike Kafka will reluctantly stay. Mark Lewinsky will be released. Giants will let go of all of their other 2020 draft picks outside of Xavier McKinney, who will sign a contract extension with Big Blue, along with offensive guard Ben Bredesen, who I think will be back. I think they will re-sign him. I think he's done enough. Um, I have the Giants reworking contracts of either Darius Slayton and or Darren Waller. The Giants will not draft the quarterback in the first round of the draft. Uh, they will bring in a veteran cheaper than Tyrod Taylor. You know, all due respect to Tyrod, I love him. I'd love to bring him back, but he's too expensive. Yeah. Um, and they'll draft the quarterback on day two to compete with Daniel Jones. That's ultimately <laughs> what I think will happen. And lastly, the Giants will sign a successful offensive lineman to play between John Michael Schmitz and Evan Neal, two young players. I think need a veteran sandwiched in between, um, 
you know, a lot of people want the Giants to draft a guard. You have a lot of young players on that O-line. I would sign a veteran that's done well. You know, a lot of people have talked about possibly Robert Hunt from Miami Dolphins or one signing that I think is all but guaranteed to happen in free agency, Jermaine Uliminar. I'm probably not saying that fully correctly. Raiders swing tackle who will compete with Evan Neal for the starting right tackle spot, who played mm-hmm. under Carbon Brasillo the last couple of years. So I, like it. I think they're going to sign him. Knows Brasillo's line schemes, and he'll compete with Evan Neal. If he doesn't win the starting job, he will be a valuable swing tackle in 2024. <laughs> if I'm honestly, though, I'd be so happy for Saquon, where whatever he ends up doing, you know, he's like one of those guys you're going to support no matter what. And to see him play with Lamar Jackson, I feel like it would be very, very exciting to see. Yeah. And part of the reason why, too, I said the Giants won't draft the quarterback in round one is because if they move on from Saquon, the rookie quarterback will be less likely to have immediate success. So I think the Giants draft one on day two, sit them for at least one year behind Daniel Jones, and then see where they go from there. Ultimately, ultimately that's what I think happens. Uh, Goofball says McKinney might be gone. Interesting. He won't play for Wink, according to reports. If they wanted to keep him, they would have never tried to keep Wink. That's a good take, too. Mm. Different take. But that is a good one. You might be right. You might be right. Um, Take a look at the Raiders' whole right side. Who is a free agent? Andre James, Greg Van Roten, who's from New Jersey. Oh, I like Van Roten. New York, New York, New Jersey. He's from one of those places. He's a former Jet, too, I think. He's from New York, Rockville Center. Long Island, okay. Nassau County. Cool. Maybe he's a giant. Maybe he's that veteran you put in between the two. I don't know if he's – he is a big dude. I like him, though. I would love that, getting him. Absolutely. Uh, Ooh. Did not know about the New England thing with him. All right. So I think it's all but guaranteed he's coming here. We'll see. Cool, cool. The new we'll name see. to learn how to say. Yeah, absolutely. You <laughs> Eliminar, I think. You Eliminar sounds you. French. You Eliminar, like the R would be silent, but. Hmm. Uh, all right, Sam. Any final thoughts oh. on the season? I'm a little sad. I know we talk all the time, but like. Yeah. It's kind of sad for another season to come and go like this. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited for this off season. I know we're going to be doing a lot of content coming up, um, you know, and especially leading up to the draft. We are – I'm going to out you, Tom. We are Sam Hartman believers here. We love Sam Hartman here. <laughs> Screw it. Um, but, yeah, I'm really excited for the draft. I'm really excited for what's to come. Um, hopefully the tea is, uh, not too hot for the giants this year. I'd love to keep everything super chill, but, um, we'll see what happens. And, uh, it's been a great year. Thanks for having me on as usual, Tom. Absolutely. No, thank you, uh, for being my co-host once again. Um, it's been a lot of fun. You know, you do a lot of the graphics and everything, and I think it's, it's all great stuff and, um, I'm sorry, this is interesting. So a player who is engaged to Sabrina Unescu from the New York Liberty. Ronis, Sabrina Unescu is engaged? Did not know this. What? Crazy, crazy stuff. Sam lives for this stuff, folks. I didn't know that. Yeah. Look at that. Wow. Look at that. How fun. Um, Small world. Also, folks, one other thing. If you have any draft prospects you would like for us to evaluate, 
Yes. Please feel free to drop them in the comment section. We will make sure to get to them. It could literally be anybody. It could be your team's favorite kicker. We'll do it because the Giants also went through four (laughs) kickers this year. Yeah, we might need one of those. Not sure I want to end the show on that note, but I I might have (laughs) just uh, screwed myself there. It's all good. Folks, once again, that link tree is coming. But for now, if you'd like to subscribe to us, we're on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at Big Blue Avenue. Just put up an in-depth video on our new running backs coach, whose name is escaping my brain at the moment, Joel Thomas. There we go. Um, Appreciate you all. Love all the fans and support. Without you guys, we wouldn't have as good of a show as we do. And it's appreciated. All your comments, likes, shares each and every single week. And stick with us during the offseason. We have a lot more coming your way through the offseason months. On behalf of Sam Cardona, my name is Tom Scavetta. Thank you all for watching season four of our Big Blue Avenue live streams. Stay with us during the offseason for our non-live YouTube segments. And without further ado, let's go Big Blue.